Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kike. Hello, Jamie Van Kike here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, we have our bonus episode with our co-host, Chris Penaltz. We are talking all about the gig economy, what it is, how it impacts businesses, especially with new laws coming out, and how, as a small business owner, you are most likely participating in the gig economy with your business. So let's jump right into the conversation. Hi, Chris. How are you doing today? Hi, Jamie. I'm doing awesome. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks for so much for coming back and joining us this month. I appreciate it. So I want to talk about what is kind of a hot topic right now. It's the gig economy. You hear a lot. You hear good stuff, bad stuff. You hear about new laws coming out, especially in places like California. You hear about companies like Uber and other companies like that that are that are fighting these new rules about gig economy. So it's kind of one of those things, if you pay attention to business news, you're hearing this term gig economy. But some people might not know what it is. Some people might have different opinions about it. So I thought this would be a good topic to kind of talk through and share what we think about the gig economy and how it impacts businesses, especially small businesses. Sounds like a great topic. Definitely buzzwords. Those are always fun. Yes. So let's start off with just, let's talk about what the gig economy is. So in my opinion, the gig economy is when either people that are looking for types of employment or companies are really focusing not so much on getting that full-time employees that they're going to have for long term, but rather getting people in that those temporary roles where it's just to kind of stimulate business or for the people themselves that are getting the job, getting a work and getting money into their pocket without necessarily being tied down to a nine to five. Or maybe it's sometimes doing things on top of their nine to five, but things that provide a lot more flexibility. So that way they can be earning money around their schedule and their lifestyle. Yeah. And I mean, uh, with the trends of lots of big gig economy businesses coming out there, um, I think it's opened up people's perspective to the both availability, but also the leverage that they can get with that temporary or contract style worker. Yeah, definitely. I know one of the things that my clients and, you know, business friends and everything reach out to me about is, especially with some of the new laws coming out, they're always worried, wait, I work with independent contractors. So how does that really work into the gig economy? How am I impacted by some of the new laws coming out? So for those of you who might or might not follow all the business news, California really came out with the laws a few months ago that were really becoming a lot stricter about what really qualifies as independent contractors. And it really was impacting a lot of gig economy jobs like companies like Uber or Instacart, where you have kind of these on-demand people that decide, 
yeah, I feel like making some extra cash today. I'm going to turn on this app and pick up a job. If something's available, go drive someone around or pick up some in groceries. And then when I decide I'm done for the day, I'm done for the day. But the laws are starting to say, and the government's saying is, wait, these people might not actually be contractors. They might be employees. So there's been a lot of talk about that. And I know some of my clients and friends have been, been concerned that they hire contractors. So are they impacted by these laws? And it, are there things that they need to, to worry about with new gig economy laws or this focus on gig economy? Are you noticing anything like that, Chris, on your side, where some of the companies you work with are, are concerned about any of the new gig economy laws or rules or hype that's out there? I'd say everyone's kind of, it affects everyone, right? So it's not about um, just California, for instance. California is usually a precursor to seeing things happen on a much more national scale. Um, so everyone's kind of considering it, especially when you look at, um, I know one of the clients that I've talked to not that long ago utilizes gig economy workers just for delivery and they're a restaurant owner, right? Um, so now they have to be just really aware of what those laws are. And I'm, I'm the law expert, right? But I do know that what we translate as a gig job sometimes easily gets mixed up in all the news and uh, hype about Uber and things like that. But it's also those contractors that we're bringing into maybe our organizations to do a quick project that we need extra people on and not always just the, hey, go pick me up something or, hey, I need a ride somewhere. Um, right. type opportunities, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And that's kind of one of the things I tell a lot of my clients is if you're hiring contractors right, so meaning these people are actually legally contractors and you're not misclassifying employees, you really have nothing to worry about. The companies that have to worry about some of the new rules and regulations around the gig economy are those that are trying to skirt that line of being like, oh, well, these roles really should be employees, but we're going to try to get away with it. And that's what the government's really tracking down on are the companies that are trying to get away with having contractors and not giving people the benefits that they should have on their employees because they think they can skirt around the laws and rules. And so if you're doing things right, new gig economy laws and rules that are coming out shouldn't impact you. And if you don't know the difference between employees and independent contractors, go and listen to, I believe it's in the episodes seven and eight. I'll link to it in the show notes because we have a few episodes where we go into some of the basics about independent contractors versus employees. And we had a guest expert who was a lawyer coming on and telling us a little bit about the two. So if you don't know the difference, make sure you go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't yet. Well, that's awesome. So when people are doing it right, how can gig economy roles really impact companies in a positive way? Well, I mean, so in talking from a people process and product standpoint, um, in general, hiring people is a, is a very resource intensive process. And sometimes we don't need that long-term investment, that long-term asset. So we're, we're looking at bringing people on to leverage their skills, their expertise, et cetera. I, I think back to my experience as an IT um, consultant traveling all over the country and working with CEOs, CFOs, and their accounting teams to implement um, ERP solutions and business intelligence things. They didn't need us as a full-time employee, right? They contracted us to come and do what we were awesome at and then leave. 
and teach them, give them the tools or whatnot so that they could do something with it. And the way that I look at the gig economy, it's not that different. Whether you have a writing project, whether you just need extra hands or boots on the ground or whatever that might be, to me, that translates all into the vernacular of this gig economy. Yes, exactly. And if you think about it, many people that are small business owners, you know, when you start off with your business, typically you're a business of one. So you're actually going in and kind of participating in this gig economy because you're providing a service or you're providing something to a company as that one person, even though you're a business, you're that one person providing something to a company that they don't have a full-time need for. It might be a one-off need where you go in, do a project, your relationship ends for the time being, or that you're providing something on a smaller scale every week or every month. But yeah, it's a lot of us, like we're participating in that gig economy, even as business owners getting work from other businesses. I mean, certainly it's, it's uh, how do we define language, right? <laughs> One of my favorite questions. But um, when we're looking at any kind of bringing people on temporarily, because that's really what it is. It's just temporary work. Um, we may re-engage with these people to do temporary work more than once. Or like you said, it could be a one and done kind of deal. Um, but uh, one of the things we have to really start considering as we're bringing in these resources is how are we effectively leveraging these resources? And have we developed, um, from my perspective, processes to help both acclimate them to a team, right? Because we're usually bringing in a, a gig person, whether it's a, a person who just started a business or an expert in an industry or maybe a content creator. Um, and we're going to try to quickly integrate them into a team that's already functioning, um, culture that already exists, and some value structures that we may or may not have had the time to truly get and see if they fit all of those. So what are the processes that we develop? to make sure that we're going to be able to leverage that new asset we're bringing in. Oh, I love that. Let's dig some deeper into that. Cause I feel like that's something that some companies don't necessarily think of. So they think gig workers, they're coming in, they're providing temporary help, but yeah, these people have a huge impact on your business. So whether it's they need to learn the culture in order to do their job well. So think of like, a graphic designer who's coming in for that one-time project to help you rebrand. So they need to learn a lot about your business in order to do that to like some other people that are actually working with your other employees. So it is on that temporary basis, but yeah, because they're working with your employees, they're making a huge impact. I I agree. And that's a great point, right? Is uh, I love the word impact. Right. So we start looking at what is the impact of this one individual? And if you look at any team, any culture, any system, um, the, the norm that happens before you bring in someone new is automatically shifted just by adding something new to the mix. Right. Whether it's a temporary employee or a full time employee, it really doesn't matter. And it can affect everything from um, people's satisfaction at work or whether a lot people are getting stuff done on a project on time, um, or even all the way down to customer satisfaction, right? Um, and there's a lot of things that we can do to start looking at those in the forefront and planning for that. Um, but it's really doing our due diligence up front to make sure we're going to be able to best um, leverage and create impact, or are we hoping that we're just going to bring somebody in to solve a problem? 
Oh, that's, that's such a great way to look at it. And it's one of those things, every person you bring into your business has an impact on your business. You know, I don't care if you're a business with a thousand employees, that one person you bring in has an impact, positive or negative. Now, when you're a bigger company, that impact might seem insignificant in a way, because, you know, if you have a thousand employees and one person creates a negative impact, the ripple effects might be pretty small. But when you're a small company, when you're a small business, let's say it's only you and one other employee, and now you bring in this temporary worker, this um, person, this gig worker, and they have a negative impact on your business, that's a huge impact. Without a doubt. And one, one person that may have that type of impact, we don't know what the impact actually is residually, right? That gig worker will come in and leave. However, the rest of the team, the people that they in, in their, uh, interacted with, but also any systems that they were involved with potentially got shifted once they're gone. So to me, the word that comes up for all that is like, what is their strategy? right? What kind of strategy do we develop to make sure that we can both minimize the risk, but also get the full advantage of um, this asset that we're bringing on? And I think that coming and going is something that we really need to be careful of as business owners. So, because you mentioned customer impact. Now, for a customer, for a client, if every time they go to interact with your business, there's somebody new and different there, that has an impact it could potentially mean that there's a different experience every time they contact your company, every time they work with you. And consistency is what keeps people clients. It's what makes people keep spending money. So that's always something that you need to be thinking about if you're going to be using gig workers for your business is how do you keep the experience consistent for your clients? And how do you keep things consistent with your team members? You know, you don't want them to feel like, okay, every three months, we're going to have somebody new in here that we have to get used to, that we have to onboard in a way, that we have to, you know, get up to speed and learn. Because even if someone's a contractor, so onboarding and training is different for contractors than it is employees, you still have to learn personalities. People have to learn to work with each other. So it does have an impact that you need to figure out how it works within your company, even if the person you're bringing on is a great person and a great worker and is going to do awesome with the tasks that they have given to them. Yeah. So one of the things that I see in the, the, the gig scenario that we're creating, right? Where this person's been brought on to the team. Um, and now we're really trying to figure out, okay, so how, what is the impact? How did we plan for this? What are the processes we put in place? And a few that you've already mentioned, right? And I think um, for many people, they don't understand the value of planning in the front so they don't have to do the cleanup work later. I think it's like a ratio of like one to eight, right? If you plan one extra hour of planning equals eight hours of potential cleanup that you would save, right? Uh, I don't know if that's the accurate ratio, but it's good enough to illustrate the point yeah, that probably something um, like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 around the point that the strategy that we create for both onboarding, which whether or not we want to admit it, sometimes this is actual person for on our team that is 
should be held to the same um, goals, value, system structures, requirements as everyone else. Um, but also like what is the rest of the process to get them acclimated, right? They've got to blend in. They've got to at least understand how to communicate with the other team members so that there's not any process issues or communication issues. But also how does our onboarding process help set expectations? What is expected of them? How firm are our timelines? If we have wiggle room, what does that look like? How do we provide excellent customer service throughout this process, even if you're not touching the customer? I, the way that I look at it, that's all part of the onboarding process. Um, and then we get into, okay, well, once they've been here for a while, we brought them on, we acclimated them, they're, they're a high functioning team member, then how do we offboard them? If they're a temporary work, like, what does that look like? Make sure that we got all the collateral, make sure that they understand what's going on, have our team get any information they need. Um, and even the third part that I think a lot of people don't plan for or create strategy around is what might a reboarding process look like, right? Because this gig worker may, we may call them once a month, quarterly, whatever it is, to help us do a project that we don't want to hire someone on to do all the time. So instead of having to send them through a full onboarding process, what does the reboarding process look like in terms of getting them reintegrated, getting them kind of connected again, um, but with a lot less effort than when we brought them on the first time? Yes, yes, definitely. And I think that brings up a really good point is relationship building is still so important when they're even when they're temporary workers, because it's a lot easier and a lot quicker to re-onboard someone who's already familiar with your company than to get someone new every time you need something done. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. There's there's something, and I, I, want, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but there's something in there that I want to just state is sometimes we've got to be, um, from a coach's perspective, you have to be really cautious about that. Um, because the path of least resistance isn't always the best option. So there's got to be a system in place to evaluate how well their performance did versus the return on investment that we get from them and always be able to be like, well, I understand we don't have to onboard them, but were they the best fit? Are they getting oh, the exactly. best return on our, our dollars? So. Oh, exactly. I know so many people that are almost afraid to do like reviews and evaluations and you still need to evaluate what temporary workers did for your business at, at an individual level. You have to look to say, is this person worth reworking with again? You know, you, yes, it, I 100% agree that you can't go and work with someone again just because it's the easy way if they're not going to produce the best ROI for your business. We're not in business to just throw money at people. We're in business to hire people because they produce something better for our company and we are able to reward these people because they do something positive for our businesses. Agreed. I mean, I'm sure we could get in a whole different conversation about uh, letting people go right i think that that's a great topic we should add that to the yes. list somewhere but we'll add that to the list for a future topic <laughs> but uh one of the things that comes up for me is there to me there's two buckets that we have to look at when we're bringing gig, gig uh, economy workers into our workforce 
Um, whether we're solopreneurs and they're coming in to help us with social media marketing, or we have a much larger firm and they're a member on a project, right? It's one of the things is how does the project management look like and how much involvement, how much engagement do we need in that process to make sure everything's getting done in the timely manner to the expectations and quality level that we're asking, but also what does people management look like, right? Do we have to shift the way that we lead? Do we have to shift the way that we open up dialogues and conversations? What is our strategy around taking someone from the outside and having a full team support each other versus feel like there's this kind of conflicting force, which I used to feel in consulting a lot. Uh, this guy's just here to change stuff and, oh man, we're going to have new systems and da, da, da. or the teams that we would get on and they would really buy in and they would be like, we're here to help support you, teach us everything you can. And just that little bit of difference of mindset, the amount of value they can receive from that experience increases dramatically. Yes. It goes back to what I tell people all the time. You have to explain the why. If you never tell your team that currently exists today, why this person is coming in, what the impact should be on the business, then they then they're making up their own opinions where that opinion could be negative. Oh, this person's just coming in to change things because there's no faith that we can do things right ourselves. Well, no, there's typically something deeper to that. You know, there's typically a reason why this person was brought in. You know, it could be, you know, things are going really well but we're having a hard time making that switch and move to get to the next level. And because I need you guys to focus on the day-to-day -day tasks, we sometimes we just need an outsider's perspective to come in and tell us what to adjust, what to change, what to add in order to get to that next level. And the why goes a long way. I definitely agree with why statements with anyone, whether that's individually, organizationally, teams. Yeah, I mean, everyone needs some, um, purpose, right? That's my word. My big word um, that I love is just purpose, right? And that helps that team get some purpose and clarity. Um, but I, I feel there's a, a component, and I, I may have missed it if you said it, um, that there's this piece of trust, right? So if we are integrating part-time gig workers into teams that already exist, one of the things that we have to be really aware of is taking that team's input and opinion afterwards and helping them, um, um, adding them to the evaluation process of that contractor, right? So we may evaluate them on the project that they got done, whether it was on time, whether it was, um, it was, the scope was good, the time was good, the money was good, everything was on point, right? However, if we get the team involved in that evaluation, we start to learn that, yeah, we got stuff done, but the team had to carry half the weight, right? Or there was no communication and other people couldn't get stuff done. And through this, I'm going to use a 360 evaluation process of these um temporary workers, it allows not only the, the management team, the leadership team, the hiring team to get some visibility into what that contractor was doing, but it also helps your team members start to create some ownership in this process. So as you bring on another temporary worker, they're going to feel more inclined to want to help bring that person up to speed, get them the resources they need, because ultimately they feel that they're part of the person's success. Yeah, I agree with that. And one thing I want to add and talk about here is just because we keep bringing up the, the term temporary worker. 
And some people get really confused on what a temp really is for a company. And a temp can sometimes be different. Actually, most of the time it's different than a contractor that comes on for a specific project. People confuse things all the time. So most of the time, when we say temporary worker, it's actually a temporary employee. So this isn't a contractor. It isn't a business owner of their own. It's actually someone who is still brought on as, as an employee and has all the rights as an employee, still has taxes withheld from their paycheck and everything like that, where contractors come on and they are business owners, even if they're 100% independent, working 100% by themselves, they're business owners that come on for specific tasks or projects. So there is a little bit of a difference there, but one of those things I always want to make sure people understand that when you say I'm going to hire a temporary employee, like they're still an employee. You can hire them on a time-specific basis, but they are slightly different than a contractor. But sometimes temporary employees are still a part of this gig economy because it's someone that you're bringing on for short-term work. When the gig economy really started, it started back about 100 years ago with uh, jazz players going and playing in different bars and everything. And that's really where it started. And then as the country moved into the depression, you had a lot of farmers that could no longer support to work their farms anymore. So they went to start working jobs here or there at other farms and kind of moving as the season of crops moved. So it's like they were going on and being full in workers for these other people's farms, kind of like the migrant farmers that were moving around because they could no longer sustain their own farms. Oh, yeah, I haven't. I I didn't know a lot about the farmers, so that's pretty cool information. The the one thing that I hear there though is that uh, um, while we were talking about temps um, versus gig contractors, um, usually, just like I think you were articulating, it's really around what is the purpose of this individual, right? Is this someone who we may want to hire on full time as an employee versus hey? I need a quick fix, right? What does Band-Aids look like? What does what a little bit extra um, gas in the tank look like? And to me, that's usually what I look at in terms of most contractor work. Maybe it's yeah. a new process. Maybe it's new IT system. Maybe it's new anything. Um, or maybe it's just to take some of the weight off of people, but it's not a permanent thing, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So do a lot of your clients work with people in the gig economy? Uh, if I took a quick evaluation, I would say small business owners that I work with always are looking to bring someone on um, temporary, right? They don't have the resources. They don't necessarily have the funds to hire on a full-time accountant, for instance, when you're starting out or whatever those other positions that they understand that they have to do when they start out, but are the first few things that they end up start farming out to other people because they understand that their time is better utilized elsewhere. I would say that's the most common thing I see about people bringing in these gig style workers. Um, people don't necessarily look at themselves always as experts in whatever that they do, right? So uh, I'm going to flip the last statement kind of on its head. What I also see is some of my small business owners um, that I work with, they start to become a gig worker for other people now that they've learned certain things, skills. Now they almost get another offshoot to their business that allows them to go out and leverage the skills that they've acquired, but not be an employee for anyone. 
Yeah, no, and I think you brought up some really good points there. It's like when people hear the word gig economy, their first things is the Ubers, the Lyfts, the Instacart, the Grubhub or whatever all that stuff is. Like that's what people picture a lot of times when they think gig economy, but it is your, if your accountant or bookkeeper is, you know, coming in and just working for you, like those one-off projects, like they're not your employee. They are a part of the gig economy. Um, I know I know someone who works a full-time job and then performs weddings out on the beach on the weekends. It's not a full-time job. He gets hired as brides and grooms need somebody. And that's like, he's part of the gig economy. Like there's all these things that people are part of the gig economy that we don't even realize it. You know, you could be ordering something, you order something from a, furni a local furniture store and the people that actually deliver that furniture to your house can be part of the gig economy because they pick up the delivery jobs as they, as the furniture store needs them. So there's all these ways that as business owners, we're working with the gig economy every day. And whether it's us providing services to other people or the people that we use to get things done within our business. Yeah. And one thing that I, I was coming up for me while you're saying that from a perspective of leadership, right, whether it's self-leadership or people leadership, we have to really be aware of how accountable these people, uh, the, any gig workers that we bring in, um, we have to hold them. Like, what accountability do we have to hold them to? Um, I brought up values earlier, right? So how strict are we going to be to the values? How do I lead from a place that is also helping this person and I am evaluating them on the, the values criteria, right? We're being, we're staying within our integrity of our values by having this relationship with a contractor, for instance. And how do we lead that? What does communication look like? How do we build trust? How we develop processes and systems to do all these things? Otherwise, we're just winging it. And I never recommend winging it. That's, I mean, you learn a lot from those processes, but if we got to do it more than once, let's try not to wing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a planner, so winging it stresses me out. <laughs> oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it, it, winging it's got some value, don't get me wrong. But if we don't learn from maybe going in unknowing the first time and then we don't build the strategy we build awareness we change our perception somewhat so that the next time we know what we have to do to be a my my term more of a servant leader to both our teams and these gig workers so that they feel supported they feel appreciated and they don't just feel like a number right because i know from from my consulting background like you're just another guy that's trying to get our money it's like no really i'm here to provide value and i'm on a mission to make the world a better place but thanks for uh, thanks for your input you know so <laughs> It's it's really like one of those things that you have to learn from, you've got to grow from, and you got to figure out, okay, what are we going to start doing intentionally, right? How does communication, how do we start shifting our organizational function if we're truly going to leverage a lot of these gig workers, um, communication systems, whatever it is, how do meetings, how do we change the way meetings work, right? Whatever it is, look at all those things through the lens of, okay, well, in our business plan, gig workers are part of it now. How do we shift? How do we change? How do we be agile to accompany them? Uh, I love that you brought up the word intentionally. Yes, we have to intentionally do things. Looking at some of the stats, out of 
the companies that hire gig people, like people from the gig economy, small businesses make up 40% of that, you know, and then if you look mm. at mid to large size companies, you know, we make small businesses, we're hiring 40% of the people out there in the gig economy. Why is that? Probably because we're small businesses ourselves. So we are more likely to turn to that, that other person that's a small business than turn to that huge company to help us with something because we want to support other small business owners. We want to support people in our network, but we don't also want to just pay out money just to hire a friend. We need to intentionally know how the people we're bringing in, whether they're an employee or a contractor or whatever they are is going to impact our business, what we want to get out of it. And making sure that we're bringing on the right people, no matter if they're part of the gig economy or not. Yeah, and it, it, uh, you can use this in anything, not just hiring for the gig economy. So I'm sure you'll hear this out of me again, um, but it's beginning with the end in mind, right? So what was the end result that uh, we need to achieve that led us to the decision that we need to, or we're going to explore hiring gig workers, right? What are all of the things that we would expect out of this? And can we put this all in writing? So now we have something formal to give to our new worker that says, this is the expectations of the work. This is the time frames. These are all the things that need to have happen. So we are now intentional about getting the value we need out of that, uh, that investment we're making versus being like, okay, well, I hired somebody to do X. And well, they did it kind of like a Z way. And that really wasn't that beneficial to us. So that intention, that, that deliberate um, creation of what that short-term opportunity looks like and the value that it's going to provide before you actually look for the resource is usually going to be um, way more advantageous for your firm, your company doing this again than just going out there and saying, I have a problem, I need a solution. Yes. Yes, you're speaking to my heart there. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you if you haven't clearly defined what success looks like before you hire someone, you are wasting your money and your time. Like, don't do it. You know, because they could come in and they could knock your socks off, but it still not be what your business wanted, needed, and it's taking you down a path that's going to lead to destruction rather than than success. So. Always know how to measure success before you hire anybody. Know what that person's supposed to do. And like you said, like have things like outlined that can go in your contract when you hire a contract worker. You know, when you, and when you hire an employee, typically you have a very robust job description that outlines the details that should outline what is expected of them coming into this job so they know what they're coming into. All that is so important. There's a, before we, we change the subject, there's one point that I'd like to kind of throw out there is we've talked a lot about bringing the people on, which probably sounds like people have a problem or a need and they're out there looking for resources. Um, but in my head, I'm seeing a perspective of somebody else, right? And this, this could be someone in the audience that is potentially scared to bring on part-time work right? To bring on a gig worker, to bring on somebody who isn't going to be a staff. Um, and what I would say is that uh, the best productivity and 
successful people in the world will always tell you that you want to buy time with money, right? So if we're looking at, oh, well, I can do it better myself. I can do all these things that are usually some of the fears you hear around bringing on these um, type employees, find a way to get past that, right? Find a way to start thinking about how can I leverage a resource to buy myself more time to do things that I can provide more value doing with my time versus, oh my God, what happens if they mess up or what happens if they don't do what they're supposed to do? And you can plan for that by thinking, what's the worst case scenario? Plan for it before you hire. Now, no matter what, you're prepared for anything that could happen. And you're also finding ways, you're developing a habit of being able to leverage your time to, or your money to get more time. Yeah. And I love what you said about, you know, you might be nervous at first about bringing in part-time workers or anything like that versus going straight for the full-time employees. But as small businesses, sometimes we can't afford the full-time employees at first. Let's be realistic. Full-time employees are a big investment and you might not need them right away, but you still need the help. Actually, our guest that's coming on on Tuesday's episode, so make sure you listen to the one that's coming out soon. Her business is a thriving business and she has part-time flexible workers. So on Tuesday, you'll hear more about her story and how she's building her company with part-time flexible workers. So there's so many different ways to build a company and you need to find what's best for you. And yeah, as, as you mentioned, Chris, like sometimes it's fear that holds us back and we need to figure out how to get past that fear whether it's working with someone who's going to show you the way, whether it's working with someone who's going to help you get past the, that fear mindset. We can't let fear hold us back in business because it's stopping us from earning revenue and serving people who need our products and services. Without a doubt. And we're all here to make the world a better place. That's my perspective, at least. <laughs> Yeah, so uh. <laughs> I think that's bringing us to our end today. So, Chris, do you have any final words on the gig economy? No, I think uh, I think we we covered it up. the 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 two things that I would say is, um, don't be afraid, right? Get past that fear, but also um, just go at any gig type engagement with whatever your intentions are. For me, I would say just remember, as small businesses we are big players in the gig economy. And I know it gets thrown around sometimes as this negative term, but just remember that's who we are a lot of times as small business owners. It's who we're hiring. It's who we're working with. And just make sure that you're doing things right, that you're hiring people with the right classifications and you'll be fine. Let's continue growing our businesses and getting the support that we need along the way, no matter what those type of employees look like. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chris, this month, and we'll be chatting again next month. Awesome. Thank you, Jeremy. And that wraps up this month's episode with our special guest host, Chris Penalt. So what are your opinions on the gig economy and how do you participate in it? Send us a message and let us know. And until next time, this is Jamie Van Kike. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.